You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Barkley again. Barkley, 15, 10, 5, touchdown Giants! Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, I am announcing that for the foreseeable future, there will be no fans in attendance as we do this podcast. Hopefully our season ticket holders will be able to watch us in the future, but for now it will just be me and you in our home offices. Right, yeah. No more no more viewings. Um, you guys will just have to we'll just have to watch it on TV, I guess. Yeah, you know, we, we thrive off the fans, you know, the eighty thousand people who watch us do our show each week, but uh we are gonna soldier on and uh you know we'll, we'll pump in the crowd noise though, to make it seem exactly. real when you're watching on T V. Yes, we'll pump in some hate mail, we'll do all the things we yeah. usually get, so Yeah. Um but but for real, um uh, so, my understanding is that this is a New Jersey ruling that this came from the New Jersey governor, and that there will be no season ticket holders this year. And currently, as of now, the ruling is there will be no attendance whatsoever. Um, right. But this right. is all subject to change, as you know, we are living in an ever-changing situation. Right. You know, they, they had to have some sort of deadline to, you know, August 14th was supposed to be the date of making your first payments for season ticket holders and all of that. And uh, there was an announcement today by the New Jersey governor that, you know, for the time being, there will be no large public gatherings. And that includes events that happen at MetLife Stadium. So um, the decision was made that there will be no season ticket holder sales this year and there'll be no season ticket holders uh if the situation gets better during the season you know they will offer tickets for sale um first to season ticket holders first i don't know if that'll be for your specific seats but i'd probably just be general admission or or something and then you know to the the general public after that well i would imagine Uh, that if if games were to open in the middle of the year, they wouldn't be at full capacity anyway, so you're probably not sitting at your regular seats anyway. So you're, you're Most right. likely. Yeah. And I, I think this is something that everybody has got to get used to the fact now that it doesn't matter what, you know, the conditions are like in New Jersey and the conditions are like in Florida. This is going to be a league-wide decision. Uh, you have to think in the interest of fairness, both on the field you know, you can't have games at MetLife Stadium where it's an empty stadium and then all of a sudden, you know, have 60,000 people or even 20,000 people in Lambeau where there's crowds against you. So there's that factor. And also there is the financial factor that it would be incredibly unfair for one team to be getting significantly more revenues than another team in a year like this. Uh, you know, there's zero chance that they will completely revenue share. Now, the way I believe it works is most the teams share ticket revenue, I believe, for regular seats, but like club level, boxes, things like that, that's all money that the teams keep for themselves. So, you know, there was a little bit of revenue sharing, but not nearly enough, and they're not going to do everything. So, you know, if you can have... The PSLs too, I believe, right? That's all 
kept in-house by the team? That's kept in-house, right, right. Usually that money is used to help with the private piece of financing a stadium. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, that MetLife was built all with private money for the two owners of the, the Jets and the Giants. And um, I believe the New Jersey Sports Exposition Authority, I think, uh, you know, uh, bankrolled it somehow also. But there's no tax money in that. So, you know, the big way to raise revenue was for PSLs. And lucky for the Jets and Giants sharing a team, a stadium, they can each have a PSL on the same seat. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, but, but the bottom line is um, don't think – well, it's bullshit that you know the the uh, Governor Murphy is not allowing the Jets or Giants, but they can do it other places. There is no chance, no chance that there will be fans, you know, allowed in other parts of the country or other stadiums and not here. That's not that's not the way it works. So, I mean, I hate to say this, everybody. Yuri knows I've been pretty down about this all along. I mean, this is just the first of the official steps that we're eventually going towards no football this year at some point. I mean, they're going to try their best and they make it a couple of weeks in, but you know, the numbers the way they are and, and all of this, I just can't see how this is going to happen this year. And I think when you are giving up significant revenues, you know, they make a lot of money with TV and sponsors and all that, but there is a lot of local money that is from seats, from concessions, from parking, from all that stuff, and that goes away, you know, some of these teams are not going to make money, especially the ones that still have debt service on their stadiums. So I, I, I think this is just starting that slow, ripping the Band-Aid off very slowly to eventually there's going to be, you know, if they even get the season started, a stoppage at some point. So it sucks, but this is the way we're headed. In between episodes, you know, on the, on that on – that, um same train of thought in between episodes now a story came and pretty much went um in that there was a complete gridlock between the nflpa and the nfl for um mainly as far as i understand it the main issue was the home safety you know protocol in terms of how players families would be you know protected from any sort of virus transmission in the event of a season and then, you know, within 24 hours, the news is now breaking that the NFL and the NFLPA are, you know, very close to an agreement on all things. Um, this seems to be every time, you know, as far as like a labor union goes, and I'm not, a, you know, a, an expert in labor unions, but the NFLPA seems like such a bad one where it always seems like they're miles apart and then there's like a 24-hour period where – they come to some agreement, and then when I look at it, I'm like, man, it feels like the players got fleeced. That was like their big, their big compromise. It, it just, you know. Yeah, I mean, unlike the baseball union, the players, you know, which is very, very powerful and usually, you know, imposes their will on baseball negotiations. The NFL Players Association usually loses almost everything, and I think what I just saw was that um, they're about to have an agreement for the first couple of weeks of training camp. I don't think this is an uh, overall agreement for the regular season and all those other things, but I think it's like getting the players into camp. Right. Well, I mean, that, supposed that to be was, starting like a week now. Yeah. That, so that was the big holdup was how they were going to have um, a camp 
with a significant acclimation period and, and all this stuff, having no spring practice at all so that there's no injuries when they go to full padded practice and all this stuff, how they were going to fit all of that stuff into this condensed period of time with two preseason games. Union wanted none. The NFL wanted two. Um you know, this wasn't really about the season itself so much as it was really about getting that out of the way. I, I sincerely doubt that there will be any issues if they iron out the training camp issues. I mean, that's, that's yeah, really – and when you think about it, that's when there's more likely to be an issue even though there's not as much travel or none. Um, it's it's because you have more bodies. You have 90 yeah, the, player the roster and – yeah. The risk isn't so much what happens in between the sidelines and on the field itself. It's everything else. It's, you know, interactions in a locker room, interactions with the media, interactions with outside of the facility. You know, I there's not a bubble like there is for the NBA or MLS where these guys can do what they want once they leave. And, you know, those are the bigger problems that's going to happen where a team might become a hotspot or something. It's not necessarily I want to catch it. You know, I'm a... I'm a left tackle. I'm going to catch it from the defensive end across from me. It's all the other things that are involved that they can catch it. So, I mean, I, I appreciate they're making every effort possible to make this happen. But again, it just seems like we're going down that slow death march, you know, to the electric chair and uh, they're going to try their best. I think this league is more determined than any other league to do it, but you know, the national trends and the national numbers are not looking good. So, Hope for the best, but expect the worst. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, this was – we had it at about a 0.1% chance of fans at any point this year. Um, that's looking about right. I think I had it about a 5 to 10% chance of games. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm still around 5 to 10. I mean, I think, I think they're going to make an – I think there is next to no chance you will play – the 17 week schedule as is. I mean, I, there's either going to be a delay in the start of the season, a, an interruption during the season, a modification of the, of the, the schedule, something. There's no way, no way, you know, the schedule you see on paper right now, you know, is going to stick. And I know we're doing our kind of our pencil and pen you know, predictions for the schedule, but that's really, until it changes, that's all we know right now, and that's all there is available to us. So we'll keep forward, we'll keep doing that, but the odds of that actually happening are next to none. And I hope I'm wrong, but I mean, I, I think it can be done. Um, but the the issue is <laughs> the issue is how quickly a whole team can become a hotspot. You know, when when you have just one. Breakdown. Just one fringe well, roster guy comes into the locker room with them. Well, it's, I think if I think if one neighborhood becomes a hot spot, you know, if you know, all of a sudden, you know, uh, Tampa becomes a major hot spot, and they are forced to shut down, and they say, you know, there is no, you know, no gatherings of any kind, and Tampa's out, and you can't use Raymond James Stadium. You know, all of a sudden you get to worry about where are they going to play the game and stuff. And, you know, let's say that's two or three cities. Now, one they could probably handle. We've had, you know, cancellation of games or suspension that, that because of uh, roofs caving in for snow or fires or riots or something. And they can make emergency changes to other stadiums. Uh, but if it's more than one, 
You know, if, it, if, if it's really, you know, this second wave happens in the fall, combined with flu season, it, it's, it's, much, it's a much bigger factor than just a particular team and the bubble that the team's around. It's, you know, that community that they're in, that part of the country they're in. I mean, remember also, there is a, in, I think it's 30 states now, if you come into New York State, you're supposed to have a two-week quarantine period. Yeah, but that's waived for this, for the purposes for, of this. Yeah, but what about like the media people and all the other? It's, is it everybody involved with the NFL, or is it just the players? No, I think it's everybody involved with the NFL because they're traveling for work. Hmm. But I mean, even so, you're not going to tell me that there. Yeah, I mean, I, that there won't be an NFL game or broadcast just because some media people can't go. I mean, there's there's cameramen in no, state but, that will be used. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's more things stacking against it than just it's again, it's not just oh, no players have it, we're good to go. I mean, again, if you know they decide that the Denver metro area, you know, is in lockdown mode, back to where we were in you know late March, early April, that's it. There are no games being played at Mile High, and they got to find you know alternative you know spots for this, and it's not as easy as you think. Especially since, like, college hasn't been canceled yet. Mm-hmm. And I get it. You don't need to have an 80,000-seat stadium to do this. But we got to find these places where it will be safe. I mean, it's just it's going to turn into a logistical nightmare. And if it's in multiple places, you know, they just, they just might shut it down again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a, But, I mean, I think the, the bigger issue will be when a team catches it. And the, the reason I say that is because of the way it transmits – you know, these are logistical ways that are difficult. Well, you know, things you're saying, it's it's difficult to figure out these things, but it's not impossible. Um, but w- once once you have one guy go into the locker room with it, and now you have a team infected, even yeah. if even if you know 52 of them are asymptomatic, if if you know, it doesn't Drew matter Brees if it's symptomatic or not. Right? Yeah. Uh, well, let's, mean, let's let's break it down even further. Let's say it's like all of a sudden four wide receivers do and the whole wide receiving room mm-hmm. is quarantined and all of a sudden the giants have no wide receivers and they have to go literally on the street to find people i mean what kind of quality of play i mean yeah. is that is that worth it well i mean, I mean correct me if i'm wrong i thought a couple of years ago like 2012 2013 there was some kind of some level of viral outbreak in the Tampa Bay locker room. I remember that. Yeah, Didn't Lawrence Tynes catch something like something MRSA like that. or something like that. The 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 MERS, uh, the MRSA virus. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was you know that's just one team with something you know that is not nearly as widespread as as this is. You know, not right. even close. So right. Um, I I really think it. it all the things you're saying are logistical problems, but if they are contained to one or two cities, I think there is a way around it. I think I think they can figure that out. I mean, you know, even as you say, you know, colleges haven't canceled anything, but I mean, like, as long as the colleges aren't doing anything on Sunday, it's still possible. I mean, you know, they they used the University of Minnesota Stadium for how many years? Um, well, uh, the Coliseum in L.A. I mean, they up until this year. I mean, the USC played on Saturday and. Uh, you know, the Rams played on Sunday. And again, these are things that, you know, 
Yeah, sure. And a crunch is going to be, but I mean, they can they can pre-plan this shit out. They can yeah, work out these talking, deals. We're talking best case scenario here. We're talking best case scenario that one team might have to move from one location. I mean, this is shaping up to be something where this is going to hit you know sections of the country. But again, and, I mean, these know. are things that can you can have you know some emergency protocol for all thirty-two teams as, as required. You know what I mean? That, right. That that is something that can be pre-planned out. You know, where you have three backup it, locations and all those things if, are hammered if they're out. Isol- if they're isolated events, if it becomes something where it's more widespread, that's a different story. Yeah, but but again, what I'm saying is, I don't know what you do when one team gets infected. That the actual players get infected. Because I, I do think if one guy shows up, ten guys are going to get it. Yeah, the, the, the game is canceled then. Yeah. And all of a sudden now... Now you have a, a fucked up schedule. Your bye yeah. weeks are all confused. You can't even do bye weeks because now you have to self-quarantine for 14 days. And it's it, that yeah. becomes the mess to me. That's where it really gets to the point where what do you do? You have to put the whole season on hold you know, or, or just cancel You're gonna it. You're going to see... I think, you know... MLS has been soldiering on. What they're doing is when players get it, teams have been dropping out of this MLS's back tournament, and they just keep going. They've rearranged the pools that each teams are in, and they, they're just kind of kind of going on the fly. But you can't do that in the NFL. And, you know, I think you will see a plug pulled shorter than you realize because of these factors, because it's just there's only 16 games in a schedule, you know, and uh, – you know, once a team doesn't play a week, all of a sudden that, that throws everything out of balance. And you can't just say, well, we'll play in the bye week because you can't guarantee that both teams have bye weeks. And we're not going to get into like, well, we're going to play on Thursday. Again, it just becomes competitive disadvantages all over the place. So I think, you know, this is going to be something where if you start seeing players, you know, isolated players are one thing. But when you start seeing like all the receivers for one team or the coaching staff or something, or a high-profile quarterback or something, you will see it go from zero to 60 really fast and how fast this thing does get shut down. They are not going to fight it tooth and nail to keep it because at some point it loses credibility. Yeah, and, and you know, for the revenue input, or uh, revenue output, I should say, it may not even be worth it. My, my bigger question is, what happens if it's canceled? Now... There's a couple of questions there. I mean, do you just repeat the schedule next year? Could be. What about the draft? You just keep the same draft order? Do you lottery it? What about the Super Bowl? What about all those teams? You know, those are designed for years, and they're they're sectioned off for years so that cities can prepare. Yeah, we were talking about that over dinner last night about, you know, can you imagine a Super Bowl if they actually do play the Super Bowl this year with nobody in it? No fans. I mean, they just play the game. And, you know, does it really have to be in a particular city? It might not be. I mean, does it's supposed to be in Tampa this year. You know, do you have to have it at Raymond James Stadium with, you know, or can it be just, you know, played at, you know, a, a smaller college or something? Does it have to be in Tampa anymore? I, you, know, it's, you know, do you have to have all of the logistics for a Super Bowl, the convention center and all the, you know, the, you know, ancillary activities that are part of it. Probably not. Yeah, I mean, you're right. What happens? Do we just do a do-over next year? I mean, do, what, what happens about all with this, the... What about all the work that cities already did to plan for this? You know, there's a lot of shit that goes into it. Well, I mean, that's where you get experience from things like the Euros that were canceled and the Olympics that got moved and, you know, uh, the All-Star Game for baseball has been canceled. You know, all these events that, that you know, were just 
washed away. You know, when there's been strikes and lockouts, you know, we've, we've lost NHL all-star games. We've learned, we've lost different things and I think they just don't happen. But yeah, I mean, like for a draft, you know, then what, what happens with players with their, um, uh, their service time, yeah. you know, service time, like they just got drafted into the military. No, I mean, like if you're in the league for four years, you know, you play, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, you're yeah. on a roster for four I years. That's yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, do these guys become free agents now, or does their status change, or Vested what does it do for their their pension? Yeah, all that stuff. I mean, none of this has been thought about in the in the CBA, and you know, this could be the chance that they blow up the CBA and start over, and could, you know, it could add to chaos down the road. Um. One of the things I saw, you know, since you mentioned CBA, is is a lot of this um, the, the the sentiment from fans and, and I guess the media in general of like you know football had all this time to prepare, and yet here we are down to the wire. I mean, I, I hate to break it to people, but that's how all negotiations work. Time is a resource that is used in ne- in negotiations. Of course. Um, so, I mean, it didn't matter. I mean, the two sides were far apart, and then it comes down to a game of chicken. And that's how all settlement negotiations go. Yeah. But also, to be fair, to be there for both sides also, that the clock really didn't start until we knew what you know the conditions on the ground were. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, who knew in June that – or let's, let's go back. Let's say who knew in May timeframe that – New York would be the cleanest place right now in the country, and Florida would be the most, you know, dangerous place, and Houston would be the most dangerous place. So there is no really at all this time for it. But you're right. I mean, that's the problem. That's how, that's with how all negotiations work. That's how the CBA went during the lockdown yeah, here in 2011. It it always happens like that. It does not mean that people weren't working. It just means that movement doesn't happen because it's a game of chicken and, no and time to. is a valuable and, resource in those situations well why agree to something you don't want so early you know right. even if it's even if you have to sacrifice you know your playability for a year if it means your your safety you know and everything you've been fighting for for years for years to come you know 100% people will wait until the last minute to get right and, and those negotiations happen like that for every industry for every yep. contract the only problem is with sports it's in the it public happens in public yep mm-hmm. right you don't have you know if you're working for a company and you're negotiating to build a new plant somewhere you don't have you know there's no Adrian Wojnarowski or an Adam Schefter who's leaking updates on Twitter about negotiations it just sort of happens you know, so yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Until, until there's a deal done, don't believe what you hear. Cause don't believe what people want. Don't believe the hyperbole comes out of, you know, different mouthpieces. It's let's see what the deal is when it's done. Worry when the deal isn't done until then, just don't listen to it. Yeah. So, so on to the season here, no, still operating under the, um, under the impression that a season is going to happen this year. Um, the Giants aren't very well favored, it seems, among... Um, Regard, regarded. <laughs> yeah. By, 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 you know, the media, I guess, experts, etc. Um, 
So it seems that they are on the Pro Football Talk Power Rankings list, ranked 29th, um, which would make them third to last. Uh, third, fourth to last. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to spend much time breaking that down and seeing what they said and didn't say, because that's not really, you know... The point. It's kind of irrelevant at this point, but it does pose a much bigger picture, that, which I want to talk to you about, is that, you know, overall the perception of this team naturally by media members, by insiders, opposing fans, Vegas, you name it, is that this team is a bad team and will be bad this year again. So what does that mean? And as a giant fan, you know, and people that follow the team, does it make it more difficult to accurately gauge the work that's being done to show improvement? Like, if this team does end up 4-12 and 12 again, or 5-11, and 11, is that a true indicator of progress being made between Dave Gettleman's first year and where we are today? So how do we kind of, you know, if everybody says we're going to be bad, you know, and we actually have a bad record, what do we do to say, well, this team's actually better than it looks like to, to want to justify or try to justify that things are in the right direction? Well, I think that anytime you're in any off season, the way that you perceive teams is in is, is is so heavily relied upon the year before. I mean, it's it only seems to be the teams that did very well or 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 yeah, uh, did did well unexpectedly the year before. Like in this case, I would say the Tennessee Titans you know the, their their triumph into the AFC Championship game uh, last year was was not expected at all, um, or teams that you know really killed killed in quotes the uh, the off season. You know they had a good draft, um, and then they they signed some big name free agents here and there. Right. Those right. are the ones. Those are the only ones, in in my opinion, that in the off season jump up in power rankings from where you know they stay at the top. You know, there's not a whole lot of the accumulation of getting better talent that um, that makes that jump. But eventually, every year, when you look at the year before, there are teams that I wouldn't say went from cellar dwellers, but went from mediocrity. You know, five wins, six wins, up to eight, nine wins, made it to the playoffs, maybe ten wins. It happens every year, but no one ever sees it coming except for perhaps the people who are on that specific beat that I have that that microscopic view of the team. Now, you know, that is, again, that's a microscopic view of Giants and what we're talking about here. I would say that after three years, if this team has a miserable year, you know, four wins or less, we're talking about, it's not about convincing anyone that, you know, the, the the team is in the right direction. Something is wrong, you know. Yeah. We we're we're doing this, you know, season preview, etc. You know, barring some major injury, Daniel Jones is out for a huge amount of time. You know, even right. you know even without Barkley for such a huge you know at a hundred percent for such a huge amount of time last year, Evan Ingram for a huge amount of time last year. I, I don't think. I don't think all the receivers were ever available to Daniel Jones, if I'm remembering correctly, at any game. Not one game were all Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, and Saquon Barkley all available. Um, And Darius Slayton. They they were not all available for a single game for him last year. Um, it It would take something like that 
in my opinion, for this team to do that bad again. But if I'm wrong, if this team at full strength is still a four-win disaster, you know, it's not about convincing anybody anything. There's no reason for it at this point. It's been three years. Um, well, I, I think a lot's been, you know, the upgrades on the, the roster are one thing. I think just the complete overhaul of that coaching staff is something to be said also. Sure. And oh, in again, terms of something that, good or, or what? Uh, potentially is something good. I mean, hopefully. I mean, it's it's something. You know, well, you know, let's put it this way. If this coaching staff proves to be more in chaos than the one before, there's no reason to keep Dave Gettleman anymore. It's like you've whiffed, you know, another time in your coaching staff. And But the thing is, it's going to be unfortunate, you know, really for Gettleman in this case is that, you know, if he is on a proverbial hot seat right now, he's giving a... You know, a first-time head coach, you know, basically giving him one year to show wins-losses-wise that there's a turnaround. So, you know, I guess my question is for you Giant fans, what is your expectation for this year? You know, and not because I'm sick and tired of losing. I expect this to be in the playoffs. It's based upon what was brought to the table from last year and the upgrades you see potentially in coaching staff and philosophy and you know, a year under, you know, an off, whatever offseason he did have, but a full comparable offseason to everybody else in the league for Daniel Jones. And hopefully it'll upgrade the offensive line and all these different things that, you know, how much are you waiting win-loss record in your evaluation? Is this organization in the right direction? And to me, you know, my outlook right now is a lot different than it was pre-COVID. <laughs> you know, to me, it's just, I don't even... I honestly don't even care what our record is this year. It's going to be one of those, I'll know it when I see it on the field type thing. Sure, but I mean, at the same time, it's hard for me to imagine, you know, the things I expect from this team, the upgrades I expect. You know, I expect Daniel Jones to be able to stand in the pocket for one more second than he was last year. I expect, you know, Barkley to have a little bit more wiggle room. I expect the play calling to be better. I expect the time management to be better. Better In a vacuum, all these things are very minor upgrades. But again, when they're all put together like this, these things, this is not a super untalented team, especially on offense. You know, we can say what we will about the, the, the defensive pass rush and, you know, may, maybe the coverage isn't so good on one side of the field or something like that. And, you know, maybe they're relying a lot on some younger guys making boneheaded mistakes. But again, I, it's hard for me to imagine a product on the field worse than last year with just those minor improvements. You know what I'm saying? So like I see what you're saying is you'll know when you see it. But again, I still think that when you see that, you'll see more wins. You know, you'll see the six, seven wins. Yeah, I think there's a lot of unknown. I mean, again, we say, well, there's improvement with the coaching and stuff. But remember, we're not in a vacuum where the league's dead pat. And just because we don't have a horrible head coach anymore doesn't mean we're leaps and bounds better be jumping other teams just because of that. You know, other teams have, are making their adjustments as well. So that to me is a little bit of a wash compared to other things. I just think it comes down to, we've had bad luck with health in the last couple of years at key spots at key times to affect, you know, quarterbacks and, you know, get offensive line issues, you know, position guys, that's, you know, when you don't have the, you know, one of the five best position players in the league out for a significant amount of time, that's going to skew your win-loss number. 
You know, when you're, you know, your left tackle is ineffective because he's probably hurt, you know, that's going to skew your number. When you decide to scrap the starting quarterback who prepared all offseason, you know, for a rookie in week three, that's going to skew your numbers. So, but this year you're going to have a whole other set of problems also. I mean, you know, Corona could wipe through this team in, for a month or so and completely ravage things and all of a sudden the number is bad. You know, I, and that's really no different than a rash of injuries happening. You know, it's going to be unfortunate, but it's something that could potentially impact lots of teams. So, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I, I think, I, like I said, I think, I think um, the little things that you'll know when you see it that this team is in the right direction will, uh, will amount to more wins and losses. Now, if you're expecting nine wins and a, um, and a wild card, you know, I think you're asking for the world. I think you shouldn't be just saying, I want to see seven. Because cause you can win by fucking accident in this league, you know, sometimes. Um, it's all perception too, Grump. I mean, it's when are those losses happen? You know, if this team starts off 0-3, that's a lot different view of a team that started off 2-1, and you know, even if they both get to 7-9. and I mean, the last couple of years, this team has started off so poorly that, yeah, they probably played better in the, in the in December, but by that point, most people just stopped caring and stopped paying attention or just had their opinions formed about this team, this coaching staff, this general manager, this owner. So it's it's you know timing is important too. So it might be more important for this team to win earlier than normal, even at the end game, even if they have a bit of a slide, you know, in the middle part or later part of the season. Yeah, I think, that I way, think the key to perception, and again, perception means nothing to me. Um, you know, I can break down all 16 games and I can really get a feel for this team anyway. But the perception, start fast and strong. You know what I mean? It's okay if you have a dip in the middle. But if you start out 0-2, 0-3, then it doesn't matter how well you end. If you end under 500, you're just looking Perception's at everything. Perception is everything because, you know, it's the media up the coaching staff's ass. Oh, no, well, I, I understand basis. that perception matters, but it doesn't matter to me is what I'm saying. Right. I, uh, what I'm saying is I, I can actually understand what's happening here. But, you know, a team that starts off 3-0, and has a, a three-game losing streak, and then they win, lose a little bit in, in the middle there, and then they end uh, with, with stre- three straight wins, that's a team that even if they end, you know, 7-9, and nine, under 500, 8-8, eight and eight, just in the middle of the pack – is still regarded as a team that maybe they, you know, that's when you start saying, well, you know, that, you know, you have a first year head coach, you know, um, Daniel Jones in his second year doesn't get another off season. That's two years in a row, no off season for Daniel Jones. You know, well, it's, a, or, it's just or, a longer, or, yeah, the you, longer you make games relevant is more important. You know, when you start off 0 and 3, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you're almost most, not even relevant already. Yeah. I mean, the most, unless you're the most diehard giant fan in, in, in the planet, you know deep down this this season's over. You know, if you start off 0-3 for making the playoffs or having relevant games in, you know, Thanksgiving on. And, you know, our goal, besides our goal number one for this year is to show improvement that this organization's heading in the right direction. But goal number two is you get to Thanksgiving, the relevant games to be played. Like our season isn't over and we're not spending Thanksgiving, you know, looking at sales for Christmas. We're, we're actually like, we're watching that Washington-Dallas game on Thanksgiving night. This game means something to us. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to, who do I hate more? Yeah, so, and, and, and wins dessert. So this is a very big, 
this is a big perception year that I think right now the Giants are pissing against the wind a little bit because of this built-in perception that, you know, fans are tired of it. And I get it. We're all tired of it. It's kind of like this virus. We're all tired of it. But that shouldn't change what we have to do. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, and our kind of patience for a, you know, a vaccine back to normal. And then on a much, obviously, smaller, not as important scale, a relevant football team and playing for the playoffs. Right. So my, my, my advice to um, the diehard fans that are on Twitter every day or, or, you know, looking on the Internet for, you know, anywhere for any sort of Giants news, football news, they want to know what's going on. The last thing you should do is pay attention to power rankings. Um, yeah, they yeah. are as useless now as they are in college football right now. Where well, there's there's the last useless. year's national champion is ranked one through three. It's all based on last year. No real work is put into it. Even if you try your best to pay attention to each team in the league and really figure it out, it's all based on bullshit. And you know what? Pro Football Talk does a power ranking every week. And once you do it every week, that's how you know it's meaningless. You either know what you're talking about or you're just basing it week to week. Yeah, and also it's as meaningless as the annual, like you see in USA Today, the who won the draft? Who won round one? And who the fuck knows? They they didn't play a game yet. They even wait till round two of the draft before they're declaring winner. You see winners and losers. Basically, if you're reading this, you are a loser. (laughs) So don't even pay attention to it. Let me ask you one final question before we get into our continue our playoff thing. Mm-hmm. Are the Giants better off just not having a season this year as an organization, as opposed to having starting a season where we've had basically no real off season and the threat at any week that the, the league could be shut down or you know significant roster. Uh, adjustments due to potential coronavirus and everything. Is it, and also the way the roster is constructed now with, you know, free agents and salary cap and everything. I think you can make we, that argument. Are we better off just, you know, from a giant standpoint that screw this year and let's just start over next year? From I think you can make the argument that, you know, giving them a, a, huge off season to learn this new system, let this coach make his mistakes and whatever. You can make that argument. I think you could also make the counter argument that Daniel Jones could use the real game experience, especially, you know, they might be best off from a a season that started and canceled where they get some experience. They learn from the coach. The coach learns from his own mistakes. He learns from the other coaches around him. It means nothing. None of it means anything. There's no pressure on anybody because the whole thing was a wash and they get to start over next year. That might be the yeah, best case scenario. Because I'm thinking like, you know, if the offensive line still isn't, you know, a very good offensive line in the NFL, you know, and he starts to run for his life and things and, you know, maybe it's better off just waiting. I mean, obviously as fans, we want football. and We want to see our team play or if we don't want to see our shooting team play, we want to watch football, you know. We, we dump on Thursday night football all the time, but I'll be watching. <laughs> but, you know, but you know, my point, though, it's just like, is this organization better off just taking a pass on this year? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I think actually the best case scenario lies in between. They get a little bit of a season. It means nothing. 
then it gets canceled, and then they get to start over with a full off season next year. Expectations are different. You know, they get another draft in there um, without any of the the backlash of how bad they were because it doesn't matter. You know, even if they play four games and they they win two of them, you know, it, I don't know. It's it's so hard to tell. You can make an argument either way, but I think that down the middle is probably the best. But it still sucks because I'd rather I'd rather watch a whole season of them go five wins than three or four games and have to wait a whole fucking year, even if they win all four games. I, I, I'm just thinking purely in terms. Again, we are we are two long term giant fans, like with the long view. We're not we we. We've come to grips with the fact that this team probably will not win the Super Bowl this year. So, you know, if you're not in it, you have to think about, well, how do I eventually get there? And to me, all I think about, you know, I'm I'm the one of the duo here who's thinking about, well, maybe they should tank. Maybe they should do this. Always with the long game in mind. And, you know, I don't know. It's something to think about, you know, Giant fans out there is, you know, a start and a stop and a, or just the way this is. Does it? Are we better off just not even playing? I don't know. I don't know what that answer is. I, you know, I don't either. But I can tell you which I'd rather happen, and that's to watch. <laughs> so. Oh, I'm talking about as, as a fan of football. No, as I, someone I, I who's been it. bored to tears since mid-March sitting in this room, sure, I'd love to watch football. Although I have noticed that, you know, as I flip the channels on a random Wednesday night and NFL Network has on week 17 or week 15 from the 2017 season, I am not stopping and watching. I don't miss football that much just to watch random, random games that have yeah. ra- random games that I, I just don't really care who wins or loses. I, I think this whole, you know, uh, time down has kind of changed a little in my thoughts of sports that I just, I won't just watch anything just because it's on anymore. I think things have to have a purpose. And I know, you know, you notice that well, obviously with no with stakes, giant, things are get less interesting. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, maybe 10 years ago, I would have been watching all this stuff. And I'd be like, oh, this is something to watch. I just like watching it. But, you know, you know, even if it's like, you know, the Giants are 3-11, and 11, you know, it's, it takes a lot to get us out of bed to get down to the, to the Meadowlands to watch something like that now when it's meaningless. So definitely sports, my view of sports over this last year has been – the. Having it mean something makes it more important, but when it means nothing, it's much, much less important than it was. Anything else on TV is more interesting at that point. Right. Um, so moving forward at our uh, season our season preview, or schedule preview, um, we, are, we, we last left off at week 13 where the Cranky fan has the Giants sitting at 6-6 six and six, right at 500, and I've got them at 7-5. and five. So we storm back to the Meadowlands with nobody in the seats. Week 14, December 13th at 1 o'clock, they're hosting the Arizona Cardinals. And I have this as a loss in pencil. Um, The Giants and and Cardinals played last year, and I know that means nothing, but it was a loss even though the Cardinals were terrible. Um, But Kyler Murray still looked like everything I thought Kyler Murray was going to be in the NFL, and that is... Despite his height, he's got a cannon for an arm that's incredibly accurate with nice touch. He's smart. He sees the field. He moves around. He can run. And they went and they got him more weapons. DeAndre Hopkins. Larry Fitzgerald has somehow become the third the, the third wide receiver. You know, I didn't think that was possible. Um, I, can't, I can't believe he's still in the league. 
to be very honest. I I feel like every year they're having like the tribute to him that it's his last year. He's still <laughs> it around. does it does feel like that. Um, you know, they they've added Josh Jones uh, to the offensive line. You know, there's still work to be done with this. This is still a bad team, but I think where their strength is and what Kyler Murray can just do on his own, and you know the weapons that they've given him, that plays right into the weaknesses of the Giants. I mean, they're a team that doesn't get there with a whole bunch of guys to the quarterback. We're talking one guy, you know, every couple of plays. Kyler Murray's too athletic for that. Um, and, and you know, the coverage is not. I, I don't expect the coverage to be super tight where he can't just fucking throw the ball up in a direction if he's under pressure and still complete the pass. So, you know, and then you look at the back end of the the, the defense. They've added Devon Kennard. Isaiah Simmons was drafted to, to go with Chandler Jones. They went out and, and got Byron Murphy. You know, this is this is still a bad team that I think is just faster right now than the Giants and head-to-head. You know, whether or not they're better or worse is, is a relative term, but head-to-head, I think right now where the Cardinals are, plays right into the weaknesses of the Giants. I think this one's a loss, but I put it in pencil because, you know, who knows? Yeah, I'm going to put this as a loss in pencil too. I think the one thing that Giant fans are hanging their hat on this year is let's see the development from year one to year two with Daniel Jones. Let's see him go from a rookie who's just trying to absorb everything to being, you know, the leader of an offense who's gone through an offseason. And that's great. But in this situation, so is the team we're playing against. And that guy was the number one pick in the draft. And that guy has a unique skill set. And that guy looks like he's going to be a future star in this league. And his jump from week one, year one to year two, will be bigger than what Daniel Jones' jump from one to two will be just because he's a more talented guy than him. Um, I think there's a lot of things that he does that give the Giants trouble, like the type of quarterback who can move around and make plays out of nothing. We've always had trouble with quarterbacks who are like that. And again, you know, because we have to rely on the one guy getting the pressure, it's not like a, a group effort to cause continual pressure on a quarterback to disrupt. We can't do that. And when that you know, rare time happens when he does, he has enough ability to make something happen. Our defense is not good enough, not disciplined enough to clean up for a mistake that can happen in improvising time. And, uh, you know, as we started this segment, Grump mentioned how we both had them in pretty high records. I think they've uh, overshot their skis with their records based on how good this team really is. And I think this is one of those bad teams lose these type of games at home. And I put this as a loss in pencil also. So that drops both of us down. I'm at seven and six. You're at six and seven. And then we move to week 15 where the Giants stay at home. They host the Cleveland Browns at one o'clock, December 20th. Um, something... <laughs> what this game what yeah. this game could have been, Grump. Oh, this could yeah. have been really interesting. I mean, if, if this game is still played, I think there's still a chance that there's a great big spectacle about this game. Um, but there is not going to be the the fan interaction that we would think, you know, we've got, that's, your, yeah, that's the spectacle though. I mean, there'll be a lot of media buildup about it. You know, there'll be a lot of, you know, Beckham might say something that causes, you know, you know, uh, PTI and all the, all the talking head shows to talk all week about it. But at the end of the day, 
it's the energy on the field and people want to hear the reaction when he comes onto the field for the first time and all of that stuff. And that's all gone. And, you know, it's, you know, and also it's late in the season. It's a couple of years removed now. It's a little different. So I think, um, I think this is bad news for the giants to be very honest, because I think we've seen Odell Beckham over the years, you know, when, Everything is out there when it's very emotional. He sometimes plays out of his head and he lets the distractions get to him. And, you know, he loses that focus. I think not having fans and probably it'll be somewhat of a tempered media buzz that there might have been prior to that. I think that's to his advantage. He can kind of like relatively slip in and out of town playing the Giants. Um I don't know what to make of this this Cleveland team. I, I really don't. You know, it's one of those teams like on paper, oh, they should be better than they are, but they're Cleveland and they're not. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that, you know, getting late in the season, I think this is where not having a real off season and still learning with a new coaching staff starts to really take its toll. And if this was a regular off season, one of those games where I think they would win, but because I think things are going to start getting frayed towards the latter half of the season. This game may not be meaningful at this point. I'm going to have this as a a loss in pencil also. You know, something is going on with Cleveland, you know, taking apart everything that you said. They have built a team that on paper last year should have been in in the playoffs. Just, Just point blank. I mean, on paper, that's what should have happened. Instead, they made boneheaded coaching decisions um, <laughs> who couldn't control the personalities in the locker room. And frankly, it's festered to the point where I'm not sure that the current roster can, you know, can work in the locker room. It wasn't nipped in the bud, and so it's it's still a little bit of hand. I don't I don't get a strong disciplinarian vibe from Kevin Stefanski, who's been hired as the head coach. They certainly didn't have that with Freddie Kitchen. It didn't appear. I mean. You know that guy's been blown to pieces. You know, on on the public spectacle because you know whatever. But um, you know, even even now we're we're hearing some rumors that tight end David Njoku wants out. Um, is is asking for a trade? Nothing's even happening right now. I mean, what could possibly be motivating that? You know, there, there's just some things here that are not are not looking very good. I do think long term Cleveland has made the right choice at head coach. I think that they're going to have to play a season to figure out that certain people can't be together. You know, Baker Mayfield, this might be a make-or-break couple of years for him. He is teetering on the edge of, you know, if he has a bad year this year, with the way he reacts to the media, how it, it appears that he talks to coaches, you know, how he, you know, talks to fans, you know, just it's, it's becoming uh, a spectacle, you know. He'd have to be... He'd have to be in the Johnny Manziel level of performance on the field to get to that point, I think. I think, you know, this day and age, you can put up with a lot of bullshit from these guys with attitude and bad public relations. As long as you don't, you know, as long as the PC police don't come and kill you, you know, just being a dick is not... No, not, not, on, not, on, its own, not on its own, but his, his performance on the field has not um, been super inspiring as of last year, uh, again, I'm not, not talking, it's not I'm horrible. Not talking, no, no, not horrible. But but, but yeah. 
this isn't this isn't the make or break year, but he's he's getting there. You know, when he came into the league, he played okay, um, but he looked like the best quarterback Cleveland's had in a long time. And um, you know, last year not so good. Again, they had assembled a team that should have been in the playoffs and was not. They were vying for relevance in December. That team, that team was a mess. I mean, that team, you could just you could just tell. They, even though their record was wasn't bad, that's what I'm saying. They were not performing well. Their record right. wasn't but great, but it wasn't in the shitter. Yeah. Coaching matters. And that team did not look like, you know, you saw hard knocks. You just could, oh, you you can could kind of peek right behind the curtain, even like that, and be like, this is not a professional football team. These are a bunch of morons running this team right now. You could see the infighting. You can see the, you know, the lack of respect the head coach was getting from his players from – his coaching staff from everything. It was just, it's just a bad situation. And it it was a mess because, because what we're talking about now is going back two years, right? You know, where they're on hard knocks and they had, um, fucking what's his name as the head coach. What was his name? Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson. And you could tell the way he was talking to other coaches, you know, we're going to do it my way now. This is my way. Yeah. And it was, it was a mess. I've never seen coaches talk to each other like that. Um, and, you know, it's possible that my insight to head coaches talking to other coaches is hey, it's very is possible. Skewed. Bill Belichick says that to his players, right? His right, and, staff, and, but... and that HBO is just hyping it up. But it seems awkward on TV. And you know, lo and behold, this team is a fucking mess. They fire the head coach. He goes to Cincinnati, where you know, essentially, there's an awkward moment where during a play, Baker Mayfield nearly runs into him. You know, it's. Yeah. So then, so then they go to the guy that took over Freddie Kitchens for the offense. He gets the head coaching job. That seemed like a really rash decision. I don't know how how much it needed to happen. Um, he clearly has no sounds, hand on the team. They give him sounds, more sounds like a, sounds like a coaching hire we did a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah but but yeah, I think, I think exactly. The, yeah, the, the hot like you know an, an assistant. It sounds like they didn't want to lose. They just promoted him. The Peter principle. And, you know, he really wasn't prepared and, you know. He flamed out Your confidence bad. takes over. They, they, gave him, they gave him too many personalities to handle. Now, now you know, we're a year removed from that. It, it, the thing is, is that their performance on the field wasn't very inspiring, but it wasn't terrible. Their record wasn't terrible. And yet the whole league perceived them as out of it because of the way they looked on the field. It was just... You could tell there was some disconnect. The players didn't respect the coach. The coach couldn't come up with a game plan. Nothing was fucking happening. People were doing whatever the fuck they wanted. And I don't think that that's really truly been fixed by a new coaching hire and an offseason. Um, I you gotta do get, think you gotta, that... You got to get your players in. You know, yeah. it's culture. You can put a new coaching staff in and say we're having a new culture around here. But at the end of the day, it's, it's getting happen, rid of it. You know? It's got to, you know, the... the who runs the locker room is really where a culture is. And when you get rid of guys, I mean, we know this with the giants that Tom Coughlin never really had a firm grasp on this giant team until the old guard of guys like the Tiki Barbers and the Michael Strahan's were gone. It really, you know, Eli Manning never was truly, it was never truly his team until the old guard was gone. And that's, you know, it doesn't matter who the coaching staff is. It doesn't matter who the GM is. It doesn't matter who the owner is. It doesn't matter what the stadium they play in, the uniforms, any of that stuff. It comes down to players and it comes down to personalities and leadership. And, you know, when a core 
of young guys that grows together and becomes the leaders of a team, that's when you'll see a culture change. You can't force it. You can't, you know, fake hype it. I mean, that's what the Lane Kiffins of the world do. They, you know, it's all, it's all fluff and it's all noise and it's all fireworks, but it doesn't mean anything. It's not real. And that's what they have to go, they're going to get through right now is they got to, they have to draft smartly, draft good guys, a good core that's similar in age and similar in background. You know, you don't guys that are winners and guys that haven't won it, that, that separates the locker room and that's how it's going to happen. And they've done it wrong for 25 years. Yeah. And hopefully they've done it wrong this year. So have to deal yeah. with them this year. And, and, and right as I, you know, as I'm looking at it now, I don't see a leader on this team, you know, I, offense or defense. I, is it possible that one emerges? Absolutely. And and if they do if they do figure it out, they have a talented roster. I'm just not buying that year one. Kevin Stefanski has this group of players buying into his bullshit and has well, them even worse. Ready to go, so there may be a leader of this team, and it might be Baker Mayfield, who is a bad leader of this team. Well, the, yeah, I, mean, I see what you're saying. We yeah. don't know. I mean, it's possible that that, that locker room loves him, mm-hmm. but he is not the right guy to do it. Even though the he is the you know, he is the quarterback of the team and he's been there for three years now and has the respect, but he might not be just mentally capable of doing the job correctly, of being a leader. So it's not they don't have leaders necessarily, they just don't have the right leaders. Yeah. So for right now, I'm putting that as a win in pencil, but that one could go either way. I think you have fairly comparable rosters here. Um, I think the firepower is more on Cleveland side. I think the trenches are more on New York side. Um, but I, I, I do think that those these are fairly comparable rosters right now on paper. Um, I think coaching goes a long way, and I think personality is going on. Cleveland could could be – they're teetering right on the edge of making it to the playoffs and having to blow the whole thing up again and start over. You know, they're, they're yeah. close. You know, they could be that sleeper team. Every year is a team that like out of nowhere is mm-hmm. in the playoffs. And you're like, what? I mean, that could be that team. I, I think this game to me is more about the Giants than it is Cleveland. I think it's, again, the reasons I said, you know, I think the exhaustion of a long season and, you know, that you know, if you had a Tom Coughlin or you had a guy that's been around for a while that's been through the ropes, might be able to manage, you know, late season issues this team I have I think it's an awful lot to put on a plate of a first year coach and uh, you know I, I just this is where you get into things like losing games you shouldn't lose on paper and this just looks like one of those games you shouldn't lose on paper so I'm going to put this as a loss in pencil well that leaves you at 6 and 8 and me at 8 and 6 um so that leaves us with week 16, week 17 happening next week. Again, training camp is supposed to happen next week as well. So that'll that'll line everything right up quickly for us to move on to news about training camp. And for the record, if we are 6-8 and eight after week 15, sign me up. Yeah, still a good spot to be in. Again, <laughs> sign me up. Sign again, me up you know, I... that puts us at a chance to still be 500. And 500 is kind of the goal this year. Um but yeah, again, I am, again, this I, is a you'll we'll know when we see it thing and not a record thing, especially with have, the, the kind of off season they've had. I I've been on the record on this show and just around where I do not have a a prediction for this season or a goal for wins this year. Mine is just seeing an improvement of this team from week seventeen from week one and playing 
meaningful football around Thanksgiving time. Those are my two goals. Mm -hmm. They're vague. They're very nebulous, but they are miles. They, you could see it and you'll know it when you see it. And that, that's what those are for me. And in between episodes, you can find all of his shitty opinions on Twitter (laughs) at the cranky fan. Um, you know, you're you're all over the place between Giants, Gators, Rays. Yeah. We have stuff starting this week. We actually have baseball to talk about. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, 60 games. This is where I get my most, you know, it, it's the one sport where I get more fired up on Twitter, baseball, because, you know, the slower pace of the game and then the nightly soap opera of it where I get more annoyed. So if you want to see somebody melt down on a nightly basis, <laughs> at the Cranky Fan is your place. And I'm on there. Well, as well at football underscore grump where I continue talking basically just Giants football but football in general getting blocked by other people on Twitter as well um, oh good job yeah thanks um, and the show as well has its own Twitter handle at just Giants pod where we have episodes and we're interacting a little bit more with you guys so you can actually interact with that one if you have a question for both of us instead of tagging everything in the universe um, yeah so reach out to us on there. We'll be happy to discuss things, argue with you, um, and you can call us idiots. That works. Um, yeah, you wouldn't be the first. No, not at all. And this show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, you name it. It's there. Sign up for free. Have it in your queue, ready to go first thing Tuesday morning when you wake up and go to your living room to go to work or sit on the couch or whatever it is you're doing during these crazy times. <laughs> whatever it is that you do. <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week. Go Giants. Go Giants.